the podcast where we talk about things that the other host does not want to hear about. It is that weird week before New Year's, after Christmas, where we're all in a time vortex and nothing seems real. My name is Charlie, and I'm here today with my co-host. I'm Tara. I really, truly don't know how to follow that introduction from Charlie, so I'm going to just let her speak for herself. Yeah, so we're lost in time and space here, and we hope you are too. This will probably come out early in uh, 2023, optimistically. So Happy New Year. Um, We're so glad that you continue to have a thirst for knowledge. Anything to add? Oh. No, I'm just nervous, um, as I always am when it's Charlie's turn, that she is going to expect me to know something that I don't, and then I have to embarrass myself in front of our listeners. So this topic is really different from any of the other ones that I've done, and it's definitely maybe the least intellectual, so I think you will like Perfect. (laughs) Okay, yes. I'm ready for it. Okay, so I do have, before we get started here, I want to introduce a couple of questions just to kind of set the stage. So without getting too specific, uh, we're going to be talking today about luxury fashion. Okay, I've seen House of Gucci, so I think I'm prepared. (laughs) I unfortunately have seen House of Gucci um, because (laughs) the person in front of me was watching it on the plane, and I was wondering who is watching such uh, harsh pornography on a family flight. (laughs) Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I went on a first date and saw it, so I had a similarly traumatic experience. <laughs> Children <laughs> everywhere. Just <laughs> so uh, we aren't actually going to be talking about Gucci, but, you know, thank you for your contribution. Okay, so the first question I have for you, which is something we were touching on actually before the show, is are there any brands that you are loyal to in terms of clothing and accessories? Um, what do you mean by loyal to? Like, because every, every brand that I like, here's what I'm going to say. Every brand that I like and that I do tend to like gravitate towards, if I found out they were doing something shitty, then I would stop supporting them. You know what I mean? Like maybe the clothing that I buy most frequently is from Costco, but that's a varying brand. So that's kind of the best I've got. I'm what you'd call a Costco fashionista. That's funny because I heard that you only wear Carhartt, actually. (laughs) My parents for Christmas gifted me a lot of Carhartt items, and I was asking Charlie before the show um, if there was a reason for that. I mean, I'm grateful. They're all going to keep me very warm. nice uh, Nice quality. But it just is a really specific choice um, that they made. So I guess now, starting... December 25th, 2022. I guess I am a Carhartt girly. (laughs) So I thought about this a bit because I did have some lead time, you know. I do really enjoy fashion and stuff like that, but I don't really subscribe super to certain brands with a couple of exceptions. Okay, we get it. And (laughs) maybe we'll beep this out because we're trying to seem cool, but we are both pretty big heads i was intentionally avoiding saying that oh, well, so. i can censor it <laughs> that's probably for me the only brand i regularly buy new clothes from outside of that the only other brands i really have any loyalty to are vans um which i didn't really think about but then when i was like i looked around in my closet and at my shoes and besides my running shoes, I literally since high school have only had Vans. Like I have not had a pair of sneakers that weren't Vans 
in like 10 years so that's like even though i don't necessarily like think of myself <laughs> as like a van's head i definitely she's a skater girl and i'm saying see you later girl <laughs> yeah exactly you got it so um and then the other one is land's end which is kind of random but my <laughs> mom always buys me land's end coats in case you're <laughs> unable to picture it charlie is in fact dressed like a upper middle class eight-year-old boy most of the time <laughs> That's like almost all of my Lands End stuff. I didn't buy it is, but I really like it. So that brings me to my second question. What is the most expensive piece of clothing or accessory you own? Whoa. I have no idea the answer to that question. That I bought? Not Well, it Just can that be. I own. Yeah, because mine definitely I didn't buy. Hmm. Probably, I mean, you, you go first. I have to think about it. I'm not trying to be like, oh, I'm so much better than everyone. That's what it's coming off as. I know. <laughs> I, again, I don't own like any like designer stuff and I tend to like look for like bargains and stuff. So I do have some stuff that might be like worth a little bit if you were to invest the time in reselling it, but I really don't buy anything that expensive. So I think the most expensive thing I own probably is my Land's End snow coat, but I didn't buy it. I'm not sure exactly how much it costs because my mom got it for me like, you know, four or five years ago. But that's probably worth $150, $200. And I've probably never spent more than like $150 on a coat. And I yeah. can't even think of anything that's not like a nice coat that I've spent even like more than $100 on. It's pretty rare. Yeah, I mean, a couple, like both the bridesmaids dresses I've bought recently mm. were like in that range. And so yeah. I was kind of wavering between those and like a coat. But it is also in that like $150 to $200 range. I really don't think I own anything nicer than that um because i was even thinking i was like oh i feel like i always buy nice shoes but i'm like i still rarely would spend more than like i don't know 60 dollars on shoes like i just don't yeah i thought about that too i have a pair of really nice doc martens but they weren't over a hundred dollars so i don't know they're so, not that nice anyway we're just you know balling on wealth a at this point <laughs> So, obviously, just to acknowledge our own biases, neither Tara or I is really uh, into or knowledgeable of luxury fashion and um, usually buy our clothes from, um, I don't know, some dirty basement. <gasps> my purse! I think my purse is worth more than that. Interesting. <laughs> what, what, is it a fossil purse is that no right? it's a it's a leather purse that was like handmade and my parents bought it at the farmer's market for me but i oh so it's like <laughs> not a brand okay. no but it's uh it had the price tag still in it when they gave it to me and i think it was 225 so i think wow. that is the most i know they must really like me they buy me carhartt and expensive handmade purses well it's actually um, interesting that you bring up purses because what mm -hmm. we're going to be talking about this week is the most expensive rarest handbag in the world okay is it mine yes <laughs> <laughs> oh interesting so can i ask you tara if you've ever heard of a birkin bag yeah i've heard of a birkin bag in my head it just kind of evokes like a vaguely 19 50s i'm gonna mm -hmm. say like tote bag thing but i don't really think i can probably picture one accurately that's just based off of you know nothing <laughs> they're not a super distinct looking bag unless 
you are like into Hermes, Birkin, this whole thing. They're actually a pretty- What's Hermes? <laughs> We're gonna get into it, baby. Okay, okay, okay. It's actually a pretty like simple looking bag. So it's definitely one of those uh, old money, like if you know, you know, money talks, mm-hmm. wealth whispers. I don't know these kinds of terms because I'm poor, you know? Yeah, yeah. We just covered that with the coats. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So before we kind of get into all of it here, a couple of things about the Birkin bag. Like I mentioned, it is considered to be the most expensive handbag in the world in the rarest. They are produced by the brand Hermes. Yes, go ahead. Uh, Really quick, I just want to be clear. There's more than one. Like they're Birkin bags. It's a line of bags. Okay. It's a style. You said the Birkin bag is the most expensive. And then I was like, there's just one. Well, there is one that is the most expensive. Okay. Some of the things that make Birkin so unique, the most expensive handbag ever sold by auction, at least like, you know, that's kept track of or whatever, was a Himalayan Birkin, which we'll talk more about later. And it sold for about $300,000, I believe, or $400,000 at auction. What? I know. So some other things that are unique about Birkins what is, is you can't... What is the point of that? What is the well, point I'll, of that? I'm going to tell you. So some other things that are unique about a Birkin is you can't buy one in a store. Like you can't walk into an Hermes store and buy a Birkin bag. You have to be offered one. And you often have to build a relationship with the brand to even get one. And we'll talk about more how that works and how... You've received a special invitation to spend $300,000. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Um, And there's estimated to be about 200,000 in circulation. Okay. (laughs) I don't know if that's like actually not that many, but that's what it said. I don't... Yeah, it seems like a lot, but I guess, you know ratio wise when the number of people but then if you think about the number of people who can afford a bag worth that much Mm -hmm. it's probably not like that rare and one other thing that's interesting is studies have shown that rare birkin bags actually average a higher return than like the s p 500 in like the stock market so they outperform with about a 14 percent return over the last like 20 30 years so some people say a birkin is actually a better investment than the stock market so they don't make them anymore they they do they do we're gonna (laughs) you're getting ahead of yourself here well i'm trying to understand how this could be possible so i have natural questions before we get deep into this whole birkin thing what we understand hermes bags are very very expensive and i do want to uh let everyone know Don't worry, we are not going to be sitting here doing an Hermes circle jerk. So if you are like an Hermes collector who's listening to this, this might be a little bit of a different uh, type (laughs) of content than you're used to. But we recommend you stick around. (laughs) But we also are not going to be bashing the people who buy these. Let me tell you why. Wait, okay. Whoa, 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 whoa. You can't. Wait, I want to set up. I'm setting up a lens right now. As all of our episodes do, I am going to do this through a lens of a little bit of class analysis. We are going (laughs) to be doing cultural Marxism. We're doing dialectical materialism. We're doing CRT. We're, We're incorporating these things. But I do want to also caution everyone to make sure that you are coming from a place of class analysis and not sexism with your reaction to this topic. 
because women be shopping women do be shopping (laughs) because the women or the people who collect birkins are primarily wealthy women so if you have a very visceral angry reaction to this topic that is totally understandable if you're coming at it from a class perspective because wealth disparity in this country in the world this is the most disgusting example of excess and the haves and the have-nots all of that right i can barely afford my health care and these people are spending more than my car cost on a handbag right it's terrible in that way but on the other hand if you have a really visceral reaction to this topic but you don't have that same reaction to men who collect rolexes or sneakers or supreme i was stuff, just about to bring up watches yeah. yeah so if you do have a really visceral angry reaction i would ask you Check to reflect yourself. <laughs> reflect if that is coming from a place of class consciousness which is valid or is it coming from a place of sexism? Because men do this exact Which same thing. Which is also valid. <laughs> well, and I'm completely generalizing, of course. But yeah. men spend just as much, if not more, on Rolexes or sneakers that they're never going to wear. And it's a very, very similar thing. So I just ask you to keep that in mind before you completely bash these women who are really into Hermes. That's all. Okay, I'm going to bash these rich people, not these rich women. Yeah, so I think my point is it's great to, in this case, we can be eat the rich, but not women be shopping. That's... Okay, hate I guess them, I'll... Hate them because they're rich, not because they're women. Okay. We're on the same page. Because I do feel like that is missing from the conversations I see here. Thank you. <laughs> so first things first, Tara, I am going to share a document with you that has some visual references and the listener Do I get to see a bag you will get to see many and the listener will of course not be able to see these but they're pretty easy to find on google and I'm going to do my best to describe so if you have ADHD like Tara maybe google along with us <laughs> can I ask my question now that I've had for a while and I've been able to hold it in my head thanks uh-huh. a lot ma'am <laughs> Hermes is the brand that makes Birkin bags. Birkin isn't the one who created it. What a great question, Tara. I'm going to ask you to open up that document I, I just sent talk to you. She wouldn't like I was a child. And look at uh, what's marked number one. Okay, just look at one right now. So, okay, orange box. Or you're looking at an orange box. Let's start at the beginning. Hermes is a brand that was founded in 1837 in Paris, which was 185 years ago. And it was founded as a company that made really high quality harnesses, bridles out of really nice leather for horses. So an equestrian company. And they later expanded into saddles. So Hermes's roots is in leather making for uh, equestrian goods. I thought you were going to say Hermes's roots was in rich people because it sounds like that's been their audience all along if they're (laughs) doing horse stuff. It is true. They actually famously made saddles for the Russian czar, which I feel like is a whole thing you could get into um and something else that's really interesting about their early history is they for a time had the exclusive right to use zippers somehow got a patent on (laughs) zippers so they were like the only ones who were allowed to use zippers for a while from what i could tell wow that's really crazy so that's part of how they became really prominent i suppose in the early 
like 1910s or so was that they they had jackets with zippers which no one else had at the time just jackets like there was what about i don't know any other article of clothing i don't was know it just, i, I they, didn't care enough to <laughs> no pants at that time had zippers at all i don't know why don't i'm caught up on the zipper <laughs> issue <laughs> this is not really the topic at hand <laughs> so they started selling bags in the 20s and obviously are very famous today for their handbags along Mm -hmm. with other things so they actually were family owned until 2005 which i think is kind of interesting and now they have stores all over the world they're a big luxury brand and they still do specialize in leather goods but they have furniture they have jewelry shoes household goods ready-to-wear clothes which is like non-runway clothes, essentially. Scarves are, their scarves are really famous. And of course, they're very famous handbags, which we are going to talk about. But not the Birkenbag in stores. Well, it's a little complicated. If you Wait, I have a follow-up yes, question. Yes, go ahead. Do they only make stuff for people now or do they still make horse stuff? I think they still make some horse stuff, but like not a lot. Okay. That's not really their main thing. Yeah, it sounds like the bags are their main thing, but Mm -hmm. I was just wondering. For my horses, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe next Christmas. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So kind of one of their big signature things is this really bright orange color in their orange boxes, which is the first picture you can see on your... It's interesting because I like that color. I like this whole look, but it doesn't doesn't look like chic to me. No. Which you would expect out of, like, like obviously Tiffany's light blue box, right? Like, yeah. that's chic, iconic. This is kind of like Halloween. I'm a little surprised by it. Yeah, I was not that, I was somewhat familiar with Birkins, but not with Hermes really at all before researching this. And I was surprised also that their signature color is this kind of, again, like Home Depot orange that's on all their boxes and stuff which i do not think is like a nicer flattering color no it's super interesting but in some ways i don't know i mean it stands out i would i'm more likely to gravitate towards that box than a tiffany's light blue box really just yeah just because i'm like what the hell is in this halloween box (laughs) are there tools in here (laughs) got my car hearts on (laughs) so Kind of Hermes's first really famous bag was actually not the Birkin. It was the Kelly bag. So the origin of the Kelly bag is they actually already made this handbag. And it, like you were saying, it is kind of a classic 1950s looking. If you've never seen it before, go ahead and Google it. Tara, what you're looking at right now is a brown Kelly bag. It's a really simple kind of square handbag with a single strap on the top. But it's larger than like your average handbag nowadays too. Like it is a little bit more like a yes. tote in some I ways. believe they range from like 25 to 30 centimeters is the the usual. Okay, we get it. You love Hermes. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so how it got its name is, so they already had this bag and it's named some like French thing that I'm not even going to try and say. It's like Depeche Mode or some shit like that. Yeah, it's that's definitely it. <laughs> But how it got its name is Grace Kelly, who is a famous actress in the 50s. My only real context for Grace Kelly is that everyone in Mad Men tells Betty that she looks like Grace (laughs) Kelly all the time. And she does. But she's like a very famous actress. And she Mm -hmm. was the princess of Monaco. 
1956, there was this really famous picture, which Tara, you can see or you can Google, that was featured on Life magazine where she was hiding her pregnant stomach with this Hermes bag. And it became such a sensation that they started calling it the Kelly bag, which is what it is called today. So they renamed one they already had. Interesting. Okay. I thought she was friends with the Kennedys, too. I thought that's what you were going to say. Um, I mean, they're all in, like, elite social circles, so maybe, but I don't know about that specifically. <laughs> Interesting. So, like I mentioned, the signatures, <laughs> the signature of the Kelly bag is that it has one strap on top and a crossbody strap and kind of that fold-over top. Again, really, really simple looking, but today these are worth almost as much as a Birkin, and depending on which ones, they can be even more. Um, and I had never heard of these before I started researching it. Again, do they still make the Kelly bags, or is it like... Yes. That's so interesting, because like I... I don't know. I feel like I could understand it in some way if it was like they made 200,000 or whatever in 1950 and now, you know, they don't make them anymore. So they're special and iconic and vintage. I'm of course going to get into more about why they're so rare and expensive. But the kind of like summary is they only make like a certain number a year and they make you jump through a lot of hoops to get one. So that's mm-hmm. really why they're so expensive. It's like, it's artificial scarcity like diamonds. It's yeah. the same thing. Yeah. With both the Kelly and the Birkin? Yes. The You're Kelly saying? and the Birkin okay. are really similar in this way. But Birkins do tend to be more expensive. More just because of hype than anything else, it seems like. But So you may be asking how the Birkin got its name. British actress Jane Birkin, you may be familiar with. I know who Jane Birkin is because I was really obsessed with Alexa Chung in high school when she was dating Alex Turner and I was on Tumblr. You had Mm -hmm. to be there. But she pretty much like bites Jane Birkin's style like exactly and like admits it. So I knew who Jane Birkin was in that context. So I don't still really know anything else about her. But the story goes that Jane Birkin was like this young mom. She's like very famous for being this kind of like effortless, beautiful, blah, blah, blah. And she was known for carrying around this big straw basket and she would just like stuff all her things in this like open straw basket, which is like not smart. Um, And allegedly (laughs) (laughs) on a flight from Paris to London, she was trying to stuff her straw bag into the overhead compartment, which is so relatable, to be honest. And everything fell out. And this nice man was helping her collect all of her stuff. And it turned out that that man was one of the like head designers or whatever for Hermes. And so then on the flight, on the way to London, they sketched together on the back of a barf bag, a Hermes purse that had large pockets for her baby's bottle, like a more, um, I guess, practical luxury bag. And they named it after her, the Birkin bag. That story sounds fake. I'm just going to be honest with you. That sounds really fake. That's why I said story and not like (laughs) historical event. (laughs) Because first yeah. of all, she's, who would she's take a, a very beautiful bag as your carry-on? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> also, if she's using it, like, the picture that you gave here where she, like, l- is using it as just, like, a purse, it's like, girl, that's an under-the-seat-in-front-of-you thing. Like, don't don't try <laughs> to deal with that up top. I've never heard of her before. She's really beautiful, but I have, like, I've never seen her before in my life. She just kind of looks like a model, an average model mixed with, like, some Kira Knightley to me. Yeah. Um, and you can see the Alexa Chung, and, certainly. 
Yeah, definitely. And the straw basket thing, it really seems like it was just kind of like a pick me. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, it's a little pick me. Like, oh, I just have to have everything in my straw basket. Yeah. It's giving garden state. <laughs> but I love that it. they decided to make a practical luxury bag, though. If people are into luxury bags, hey, I get it. You want it to be practical and have big pockets, too. Here's the thing, Tara. They say it's convenient, but... If you look at the other pictures, if you Google Jane Birkin Birkin bag, Jane Birkin actually ended up not liking the bag very much, even though she (laughs) does use it periodically, because it's basically a luxury tote bag, if you can picture here. Yeah. So it's kind of a long, square leather tote bag. It has two handles, and it does close, but most people carry it open, which to me is also kind of insane that if you have that much money that you're willing to like keep your bag open and you're just walking yeah. around. Uh, so that's kind of the idea is that it was like a luxury tote bag that a mom could use. So this is Jane Birkin on the left too? She's like 75 now and she's still alive. Um, I thought it was pretty funny. So she told British Vogue in 2006 I will always love the the Hermes bag, but I have tendonitis, so I had to search for something smaller. So if you look at it, when you load this like big tote bag full of stuff and it's already made of heavy leather, apparently it's like really heavy and it's like hard to find stuff because there's a pocket inside, but it's not like a diaper bag where it has like dividers. So it's actually really inconvenient. And she said, actually, she she found a new bag in an antique shop in Scotland for five euros that really fits everything she needs. Hmm, Interesting. Yeah, it does not look like comfortable to carry. And that's in my head when you said like they designed a bag together with big pockets, I thought that it would be, I don't know, it just doesn't seem that practical in actuality as much as I wanted it to be practical. Hey, Robert, he hates. The vacuum's off and he's just barking, (laughs) just letting it know if it was thinking about (laughs) cleaning something. You should tell him to be quiet so that the vacuum sleeps. Otherwise, it'll wake up. <laughs> yeah, sure. It'll wake it up. <laughs> okay. So if you look at the row below the pictures of Jane Birkin, I have a comparison of the Kelly and Birkin for you from the Hermes website. Mm-hmm. If you just go on their website, you can't buy them, but you it'll tell you a little bit about them. I mean, they're beautiful bags, both of them. They're gorgeous bags. They're very basic looking to me. And you do see yeah. people online being like, Birkins are so ugly, which I think is like, they're they're just very like simple looking to me. I think that they're beautiful. Um, I would be drawn to one if I saw it, you know, in the Target purse section, <laughs> but... <laughs> I would definitely not, if I saw that bag, I would not be like, oh my God, that's an incredibly expensive bag. I'd be like, oh, that's a nice bag. You know, just like I would if I saw like a fossil bag or something. So let's talk a little bit more about what makes a Birkin so unique. So again, Mm -hmm. this is essentially a really fancy tote bag. It comes in a couple of sizes. It's been in production since the 80s. Usually people carry it with an open top, but it does um, close with like a latch thing. I forget what it's called. It's like a French word. All made of different kinds of leather from, you know, standard, just nice leather to crocodile, which is the most expensive. 
And the inside is made of really delicate goat skin, which is actually interesting because Hermes will repair the outside of your bag like indefinitely for a huge amount of money, but they refuse to repair the inside, which is really interesting. And apparently it's like an issue because the insides are really delicate. Which is not what you want out of a practical bag. No, I, yeah, some of this stuff I like don't get. The Kelly has been around since the 50s. The Birkin's mm-hmm. been around since the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, and Hermes has been around for 130 years. 185. Okay, yeah. So you may be wondering now, why are Birkins so expensive? So one reason, like I mentioned, is artificial scarcity, right? They make a undisclosed number each year. And send them. It's a very kind of mysterious process. No one knows exactly how many they make, how many goes to each store, all of that. But to be fair, to be very charitable to Hermes, they are high quality, it seems to me as a non-expert. Okay, but I I hear you. I hear you. But also, is it quality to have the inside of a bag that rips really easily and not offer to repair it? That's like, sure, the outside might be quality, but I think that that's the opposite of quality if it's something breaks easily. Yeah, that seems weird to me. Um, I wouldn't say they necessarily like break all the time. Like, I'm not sure like how much that is a problem. I I know it's a problem on like older bags, so I don't want to say too much about that. But I, yeah, I don't know as compared to, like you said, like a fossil bag, how this ages, right? But each bag is, this is according to luxuryshops.com, uh, mm-hmm. your number one source for information about all topics. I have it favorited, yeah. Each bag is handcrafted by a skilled craftsman, craftsman, craftsperson, Yeah, excuse me. In France. Speaking of sexism. I did listen to an interview with a female artisan, so. Okay. That's on feminism. One bag can take anywhere from 8 to 30 hours to create. And this woman I listened to who uh, was interviewed did say, like, it totally depended. And sometimes it could take, like, several days or, like, a week to make them out of really difficult leathers. But then, like, a more simple one might be less and they're crafted by like a single artisan which is something they emphasize so it's not like a factory kind of setup where like one person's making the handles one person's putting on the hardware it's like you have one person who sits down for however many days or hours it takes and you know sews each piece of leather and folds it and stamps it and all of that and no two Birkin bags are the same And the price ranges for one new in a retail store, because you can buy them secondhand, of course, which we'll talk about. But to buy them from the Hermes store, they're anywhere from $10,000 to $150,000, depending on the material. You can't buy them in a store. You have to be offered to buy one in the store. Okay. So from 10, so there are some as cheap as $10,000. Yeah. So like your, you know, really basic model, let's Mm -hmm. say a Birkin black. I for- they have all these names for the different leathers that I forget. But just like basic leather. Yeah, like uh, cow leather. It was that artisan assume. craftsman's first week, so yeah. we'll give it to you for 10 <laughs> Yeah, this was a crooked stitch, you know. So you can get them in a variety of leathers. There's like, again, a bunch of like what I would guess I would call normal leathers. And then they have these ones called exotics. And these are the really, really expensive ones. And they're made of ostrich, lizard, and crocodile. 
Is it legal to make things out of any of those three animals? That's actually an interesting question you ask because that was actually a controversy that came up in... It seems like there aren't that many ostriches in the world, but maybe I'm just living in the wrong part of the world or something. So Jane Birkin, who you might remember from mm-hmm. a couple minutes ago, so she actually asked Hermes to stop using her name for the crocodile version of the bag due to ethical concerns. This is according to Wikipedia because the uh, PETA alleged the crocodile farms were treating the crocodiles really badly. I read some like really gross stuff that I don't want to repeat if you like care about animals. (laughs) like Even crocodiles? Okay. Yeah. Pretty, pretty sad stuff. And so that ended up getting resolved where they were like, oh, actually, the crocodiles love it when we kill them. And she was like, okay. Um, (laughs) But then in 2021, there was new video footage from Australian crocodile farms that they own, which showed really awful conditions and that they were slaughtered by stabbing and electrocution and these really awful methods. And they're like young crocodiles. The bigger ones have more skin. Why would you kill a young one? I don't know. I don't particularly like have a soft spot for crocodiles, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah, but it's like awful, you know, that they're being like farmed in this way. Yeah, totally. And I, especially when you're paying that amount for a bag, it's like you can't even, with all that money, you can't even afford to treat the crocodile well before you kill it like it just seems like why are they doing that in the cheapest worst way they could when some people are paying $150,000 for this crocodile bag well in crocodiles the most expensive one too these are the ones that cost like upwards of $100,000 are the crocodile so why can't they afford to take care of the crocodiles better because like I'm not I'm not against the idea of using crocodiles for the bag necessarily you know I can I could see an argument for it, but I just feel like, why you got to treat them so bad, though? <laughs> I was in the play Peter Pan, and we the one song familiar. The one song we learned was never smile at a crocodile. So that's all I know. So you should, in fact, stab and electrocute them instead. Who did you play? Played pirate. Pirate number Background one? Background pirate. Pirate number one or a different? I don't just, think I had. part of the ensemble. Think- yeah, I think I I okay. had like a that I like cut up a shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I also started my period during that. It was a summer camp. Um, oh no! So not only did I get a not a starring role as a pirate, but I also had to deal with my first menstruation. That day, you became the main character of your own life. My sister was actually cast <laughs> as Peter Pan because she has a famously loud voice. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I don't really remember a lot of of what went on, but yeah, I'm sure you were it was probably hurtful. going through like a hormonal <laughs> cyclone. Yeah, so. I literally blacked out. <laughs> My mom was literally like, "And listen, Tara is a theater kid, not me. I had no Watch desire it. to do this." My mom was like, "All you guys do is sit on your computer and play Nancy Drew." I need Mm -hmm. you to, like, go outside, and she signed us up for this, like, week-long theater camp where we, like, perform Peter Pan. A week? You only had a week to prepare an entire play? (laughs) You're telling me. (laughs) Wow. And I had my period. period. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
Wow, I'm really sorry that happened to you. But it sounds like it was a good okay. thing there weren't actual crocodiles in that place since you did start your period. The and they point, probably didn't smell that's blood. a great point. <laughs> the point being, I don't really remember much of that camp, but I do remember all the words to never smile at a crocodile. Are you going to give us a rendition right now? Never stop to talk a while. You, you may be taking... That's just good advice in life. <laughs> Walking down the street, somebody you recognize walks past you, never stop to take a, talk a while. Now listen to this. Don't get taken in by his welcome grin because he's imagining how well you'd fit within his skin. Ironic because we use their skin for Birkin bags. But they still don't deserve to be stabbed and electrocuted and turned into bags. I, I think. was really afraid when I would go to the zoo as a kid. I was really afraid of the crocodiles. Like I wouldn't go near their cage because I thought they were really scary. I remember I'm having sh- like what I now recognize as like anxiety, like being near the like alligator crocodile tank. I don't know which. Was is it which. with you where we went down that rabbit hole finding that video of the crocodile taking the kid in <gasps> Disneyland? Yes. Or Disney I'm obsessed again don't know if it's a (laughs) crocodile or alligator but there is a crocodile that has like snatched multiple children from some specific beach in um disney i thought it was like in disney world yeah well disney world is like it's so huge they have like several different like beaches where there's like resort i've never been since charlie won't take me me. neither i have no desire to go to florida (laughs) ever in my life besides a crocodile might snatch you off the beach I'm too big for that. It was taking like toddlers. Yeah, it could but never. I'm. I don't think you could fight back. <laughs> you just punch him in the nose like a shark. <laughs> this kid didn't know that apparently, and I think it's the same one that's eaten like a couple of kids allegedly. And dogs, right? Well, it takes and so dogs. The a lot. thing that we were on a rabbit hole of the specific time was I had seen a video of the crocodile grabbing the kid, like probably in yeah. like, 2015. I have this really distinct memory. And I was like, I was like, maybe I made it up. Maybe it's Mandela effect. But I could have sworn it made an impression on me because I saw a video of this crocodile, like, like, (laughs) you know, snatching this child from the beach. And I searched all over now. And I will say I didn't go on like the dark web, but I searched on YouTube and Twitter for this video and I could not find it. So I think they probably which makes sense, have since like removed it from the internet mostly, or I made it up, one of the two. Yeah, we went down that rabbit hole. We also looked on Reddit, I remember, because yeah. like then I was determined to find this video for you, um, and so I I'm competitive, closure. so I was like, I could do this. I can I can find it better than Charlie can. Um, but yeah, we, we never found it. We saw a lot of footage like of the crocodile on the beach, but not, and like pictures of the kid, but not yeah you could find pictures of it kind of lurking like looking for a kid to eat but yeah so that okay how much would somebody pay for a birkin bag made out of that alligator walt disney world child eating crocodile birkin yeah i would pay you know i didn't i didn't get the like luxury handbag thing until just now (laughs) now i get it and it comes with inside, there's a mini projector that plays the video of the kid being taken. <laughs> That's, I need an NFT of 
the, I, that's the only NFT I believe in is the one that has the suppressed censored footage. And it's like, no, I, look, look, I don't like violence. I'm not saying I like need to see like a snuff film of this child being taken. But I just want to know that it was like real because it feels bad to have like what might be a false memory that is so clear, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I do know. <laughs> Anyway. Anyway. Ost- what about the ostriches? Are they treated well? I, no one cares. No, I could not find a mention Cows, of ostriches, that. who gives a crap? Crocodiles will die yeah. for them. Well, and it did, you know, I am famously, you know. Say it. Plant-based. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. And I, it did get me thinking because I'm like, I do have like mixed feelings about leather in general. And mm-hmm. like... I don't know. It does make me think more and more about the leather industry and stuff like that. So I won't go on to that. But certainly, I love my leather boots. (laughs) I'm not gonna. Well, that even with like vegans, which I'm not, there is a debate of like, is it okay to buy secondhand leather? Because it's like Mm -hmm. it is objectively really like one of the best, most durable materials, right? That's why it's Mm -hmm. like the gold standard. And the animal has already died if you're buying something secondhand. So there's kind of this mm-hmm. conversation of like, well, do, do you buy leather shoes secondhand or, and then someone sees you on the street and likes them and then they go buy new ones and that contributes to the industry or are you like recycling? And I guess I lean more towards like that of like, it's already, like if my grandma hands me down something that is leather like is that so unethical you should kill your grandma (laughs) i almost (laughs) did this weekend (laughs) yeah i mean i don't i don't know i eat meat i love my leather doc martin boots they're amazing they're great work yeah i mean Um, i have leather shoes too so i'm not it brings up a good point though of like i don't know how much judgment can we really place on the crocodiles when surely some of the leather goods that I've owned have come from places where the cows weren't treated well. Yeah, I guess that's what I mean. It's like I like could never fathom eating a cow at this point in my life. Like it's really it's been like I did 10 today and yesterday. (laughs) It's been like 10 years since I've eaten beef like i she thinks she's so much better than all of us i'm insane. not trying to come off preachy i really am not mm. well you're doing a bad job okay well anyway it takes artisans five years to train to stitch together the blood bloody skins of do they get crocodiles. paid during their training or is it like their training is like almost like school and they have to figure out a way to get through you it, know and i'm then not sure because again belts. i did listen to an interview with an artisan um and this is something i wondered too and i wondered also about the like salespeople, which we'll get into more but they're like a really big piece of this because if we're thinking of this from like you know a class perspective i want to look at it from a sexist perspective though well (laughs) (laughs) have you considered that women be shopping that is so true I'm picturing us right now. You know that picture that's like the kids discussing like Fortnite or whatever around the table that's like, what do Mm -hmm. we do? (laughs) What do we do about Birkins? (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, but pretty much. I, I do think it's interesting because the only thing I could really find, I really, really tried to find someone who a former employee of an Hermes store like interviewed anywhere and I couldn't because if we're thinking of like labor alienation it's like these bags are sold for tens of thousands of dollars and I just can't imagine the workers are being paid anything that is commensurate with the value they're generating with their labor you know like there's just no way that that's happening I think it's a thing probably like a lot of these kind of companies like thrive off like, oh, it's an honor to work on it, right? Are these are these artisans mostly located in the United States? No, no, are they in France? In France. Okay. Yeah. Did I not say that? This is a French company. They're based out of Paris. I knew. No, you told me that, but you told me that as like their beginning story. I so it's very possible they could have been bought by a U.S. company or something in the As far as I could tell, I think they do some repair like regionally, but I think the main like production is all still done in France. And a lot of the leathers and stuff are sourced from France. Except for from the New Zealand crocodile farms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the Disney, the Florida crocodiles. Um, I feel like people in Florida would be fucking grateful if they Dude, killed all the crocodiles. They'll fucking down there. catch or, the crocodiles. They have with alligators, their bare hands. I think. I, right? I don't know. I think it's a northern hemisphere, southern hemisphere thing with alligators versus crocodiles. The reptile scientists have long since hung up the podcast. Left this podcast, yeah. yeah. Hey, if you are one, though, feel right free in. to let me know the difference. Because, like, I know there's subtle differences. Like, one has a pointier nose. One has a more one square nose. One of them's but... teeth is on the outside and one of them's on the inside. Yeah, but go ahead and write in to neverbeenwrongpodcast at gmail.com because I can't be bothered to Google it. Next question. Crocodiles. Er- <laughs> Thank you. Is Hermes the last name of the founding or is it named yes. after Hermes? Okay. Yes. Because it looks like Hermes and so I was like, oh, maybe it's a mythology thing, you know? Oh, while we're on the subject, you can look at number three on our list of visuals. I and- have been. Okay. And the first. <laughs> the first and I'm um- sickened by the Cardi B one. Okay, well, we haven't gotten to that yet. But the first picture on there is a ostrich uh, Birkin bag. And you can see yeah. it has kind of that like puckered almost looking yeah. surface, which I guess is from like From the like feathers. plucking the feathers? Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah, which is kind of interesting. That feels more like flaunting animal cruelty there, in some there's way definitely me. something a little more uncomfortable about the exotic fabrics but again it is kind of a thing where it's like well why is that i feel more sympathy for a cow than i do for an ostrich so why am i ostriches are scary have you met an ostrich before i haven't met one i've been to the zoo what zoo did you go to that had an ostrich people own ostriches here um, I've definitely seen one at the zoo. Okay, that was just a petting zoo, but, um, there was one on this bike, this bike trail that I used to go down when I was a kid. There was an ostrich that lived, like, up against the bike trail, so I'd always stop and talk to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I, it had red eyes. Red eyes. So you're saying they deserve scary. to die. Yeah, they're the devil's spawn. You know what? Hey, also, if you're writing in, this is a quick note to the listener again. To the ostrichologists. If you're writing in about the difference between 
alligator and crocodiles, it would also be great if you can write in with the difference between an ostrich and an emu. Because I know emus are bigger, but mm. also what else are the biological That's a little bit of a there? sensitive subject in Australia, though. Why? The emu war. What? Never mind. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so some other things that make Birkins really, really expensive is all the different leather types. So again, things like crocodile are apparently super hard to work with as well as like you have to like electrocute the crocodile or whatever. <laughs> so my um, dad wore crocodile boots, white crocodile boots to my parents' wedding. Wow. Um, yeah, very fashionable. He also had a belt buckle with his name on it and a white cowboy hat and a handlebar mustache. So feel free to picture that in your mind. Okay. Um, but so I've I've seen crocodile shoes before because also like other people where my dad is from have crocodile like cowboy boots. It's like extremely tough. And like my dad said, it's like the hardest type to like wear in because, you know, like mm-hmm. with cow leather, it's stiff at first, but then it becomes malleable over time. Yeah, the artisan like- I, I listened to, she was saying that like, yeah, it's just like extremely time consuming and difficult to like shape it and to like stitch it and all of that because it is so like tough and you yeah. have to and especially the white alligator which is like the really um expensive one it, is like, it alligator or crocodile oh my god it's a crocodile <laughs> they're the same in my head genuinely anyway so some other stuff that can make birkins really really expensive is the hardware so that's like you know the accent the metal accents and mm-hmm. on some of them they can be solid gold gold plated they can be diamond encrusted etc and I have some pictures there for you of a couple of celebrity collectors. So many, many celebrities love these bags. The Olsen twins are famous for carrying a lot of different um, Kellys and Birkins. I included a picture of, I want to say, Mary Kate with a brown Birkin. Mm-hmm. And also Cardi B has quite a large Birkin and Kelly collection you can see. The, so the picture that Charlie included here is Cardi B with 25, pro- sure. I'm around there, 25 bags that are all different colors and stuff. And, and they I'm, look like mostly Birkins and maybe like one or two Kellys to me. Yeah, I thought I saw a Kelly yeah. in there too. But the thing that's really distracting me and has been since the second I scrolled down to number three here is that one of them is camo. <laughs> the rarest, most expensive Birkins so in the world I have listed for you here. First, number one, the most expensive handbag ever sold at auction. And not just Birkins, not just Kelly's, not like any auction was a diamond Himalayan Birkin that was sold for over 440,000 US dollars in 2017 and was bought for 300,000 at retail. So that was like the base price. And it is some special type of crocodile. I'm not going to try and say skin dyed white in a gray gradient. So it's supposed to look like the Himalayan mountains. It's ugly. It's hardware is 18 karat white gold with white diamonds. You can see, as Tara alluded, just Google diamond Himalaya Birkin. It's basically just like a white with like a gray bag. I just, I <laughs> I really think it's ugly. I also don't like the look of like snake skin, crocodile skin in general. Yeah, I don't care for it either. So I am biased for that. Like, But I really feel like if this bag... 
because it's like white and then it has an ombre effect on the outside where it's like dusty gray Mm -hmm. more clearly alligator or crocodile like the himalaya mountains yeah exactly it looks just like the himalaya mountains but i feel like i would find this bag much more attractive if it was just all white yeah i don't really care for any of them to be honest but at this point it's pretty clear that it's like it's not about whether or not it's a beautiful bag it's about whether or not you own this coveted thing exactly and it's known for being really rare and so i included a picture that pretty much all the kardashians have a himalayan birkin just like as a flex there's a picture i found of chris and kylie both holding one that i was like oh my god what a just ridiculous display of wealth like it's weird to even see two next to each other based on what I read about how, like, expensive and hard to find they are. Is Kylie's a Birkin? It looks like a Kelly to me. Okay, expert. Um, they... I'm just saying it looks like there's only one strap on it. Um, you might be right. That's the caption Chris's I found. does look like a Birkin, but it looks like hers is a Kelly to me. You could be right. I'm not sure. I'm an expert on Birkin bags. <laughs> they so. own Hermes himalaya bags which are very expensive yeah the next ones aren't like super interesting like i'm not going to spend a lot of time but a ombre lizard birkin also ugly uh 137 500 and then the other one that is like really really expensive for collectors is this one that i am not even going to try and say but it's Balberg. it's modeled <laughs> after the like flagship store So it kind of looks like a storefront. And that's actually out of all of them. Out of all of them, I was like, oh, I actually kind of think that's like kind of cute and fun that it looks like a little store. It has like little windows. The brown and black one, because she, Charlie included a picture of two different ones of the Fauberg one. And one's white and one's brown and black. And the darker colored one is cuter. But it is kind of like, I don't know, it would be cute even if you bought it for $60, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The So why are these so expensive? So we've already discussed a little bit. They're obviously made of very expensive materials and take a long time to manufacture. So part of that is justified. The other part, the artificial scarcity, but part of the reason they're so expensive is because they are so exclusive, right? You can't walk into a store and buy a Birkin like you can with like a Prada bag or a Gucci bag or whatever, right? So you have to be very special to even buy one in the first place. And Birkins in particular have had this kind of place in pop culture that have made them explode in popularity in the last couple of decades. And to me, it seems like they've gotten a lot more popular in the last like 10 years since there's been this rise of influencers who really fetishize them as well. So kind of the two like big pop culture moments people point to is there was an episode of Sex in the City in 2001 when Samantha, I've never seen this show. Me neither. Ha- used a someone's like name to get a Birkin and it was like a big plot point. And then one that I vaguely remember, which it was a plot point in Gilmore Girls. Logan bought Rory a Birkin and she didn't know what it was. And it was a, I, I looked it up, I believe, a pink crocodile or ostrich, a pink ostrich Birkin bag. So to be fair, would be a very rare and expensive one. So those were kind of two things. And that was in 2005. So you have kind of these two big moments. And if you think about it, those are kind of hitting different age groups as well. 
like Sex in yeah. the City and Gilmore Girls, you're getting kind of like adult women and teen girls. Um, and also later on, it was featured on Gossip Girl quite a few times as well. Yeah, surely. So a kind of average, your everyday Birkin can be purchased <laughs> at retail for about $10,000. So that's really basic leathers, basic colors. And I kind of looking used, you could like maybe get one for $8,000 if it's like not in great shape. And you could get like one in really, really bad condition for less maybe. But really your very, very base price here is about $10,000. So pretty comparable to my $200 purse from the farmer's market. <laughs> So the question we've all been waiting for, Tara, I know you were just about to ask me, how mm -hmm. can I get one? Yeah, so I can sell it and buy a house. <laughs> so, well, here's the thing. There are three ways you can get a Birkin and we are going to go through each of them. Number one is by developing a relationship with your local sales associate. So the way I got into this is I started getting recommended these like YouTube videos on Birkins and I was just like, okay. And then I fell down this rabbit hole of women on their Hermes journeys. And for some reason, almost all of them are in Australia. So I thought that was interesting. Closer to the crocodile farms in New Zealand. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> So let's say my local store is... Um, Brisbane. <laughs> I don't think there's one there. I think there's a oh. Melbourne and a Sydney. Because this, believe me, this came up many times. Actually, I'll okay. give a shout out. I'm not going to specifically call out a lot of the women who kind of made videos that were like a little off-putting to me. But mm -hmm. there was one woman who seemed really nice and cool named Mel in Melbourne. And... She seemed really cool and nice, and so I really liked her videos. Shout out Mel and Melbourne. This is not a paid ad. <laughs> this is not a hashtag ad for Mel and Melbourne, but... <laughs> but we're open to it, Mel. <laughs> Again, eat the rich. But, so let's say my local store is London. So one of the, like, I guess not easiest, but maybe the, maybe the easiest way to buy a Birkin from the Hermes store is I go to the London store and I build a relationship with a sales associate. And it's so funny because all the girlies who talk about this call their sales associates essays, which in other YouTube lingo is like shorthand <laughs> so they don't get demonetized for saying sexual assault, right? But they all call the store associates essays, which is so funny to me. So they'll be like, I was visiting my essay. <laughs> hmm interesting anyway so the sales associate salespeople at your local store and you want to buy other stuff so you can buy scarves and bracelets and some of the like less fancy bags you can just get normal and each store gets an unknown limited number of bags per month and per year and these are random they're just like random bags, right? They don't really know the sauce that goes into ordering them and whatever. And if you are lucky- If they're random bags or a random number of bags? Both. Or both? Okay. So let's say, Tara, that you have been visiting your local- My essay. Hermes <laughs> store. You have a close, close relationship with your essay. You buy bracelets, you buy hats, scarves, whatever. For many years, you've spent many hundreds of thousands of dollars and you might tell them, oh, I'm actually interested in a Birkin bag. 
Um, I really like these leathers. I'm interested in this size. And if you're lucky, they might offer you one that they have in the back. Sounds like they should just give it to you at that point instead of offering you an opportunity to spend that much money. <laughs> well, that's but. the thing is, so so if you're lucky, you'll develop this relationship over months and years, and then they will offer you not even the one you want. They'll just you might be like, oh, I really want a black Kelly bag with gold hardware, and then they'll be like, okay. I have this red Birkin bag with silver hardware. Do you want it? And most of the time people will just say yes, right? Because it's so hard to like even get that offer to begin with. It's like the old saying goes, you have to spend money to spend money. That's exactly. (laughs) And so kind of the, and again, there's a lot of like mystery around this process, but kind of what people say about it is essentially they want to like reward their valued clientele who like are big supporters of the brand. And they also want to make sure people aren't resellers because these do go for such money and are really limited quantities. They don't want someone to be like flipping their bag, basically. There are apparently there used to be a wait list, but there isn't anymore. So there used to be like you could get your name on a wait list, but it would take six years and they don't have that at all anymore. So it's completely like based on the discretion of the like store manager and store associates. Okay, I've got a couple questions. One, do you have examples of price points for some of the other things they have? Like how much is your average uh, bracelet or scarf or whatnot? Um, Yeah, let me pull up their website. I mean, it's all really, really expensive. Like Yeah, I'm just curious about the comparison, though, if it is like... I fell down a rabbit hole, of course, of people getting these bags. And there is another way to get them through the stores in Paris that I'll talk about. But the women who got them this way of developing a relationship with their local store were often like, I spent $200,000. I spent, you know, lot like, you're spending Mm -hmm. a lot of money and you're giving this person, like, really high commission likely on all of these things okay so the scarves which are like a pretty low end i not low end but lower end of what they sell are between like 350 and 500 dollars it looks like let's see let's look at how about a pair what do you think a pair of shoes costs Mm, like $900. So it looks like you can get some pretty cheap sandals for $300, but they go up. You can get loafers for 1000 mules for up to 10000 So you can be spending quite a bit on these things as well. What's like, what's like a smaller bag? Oh, they don't have any bags. They don't have any bags except for the... On the website. Yeah. So you're spending tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars. Okay. Next question. Second question. Mm -hmm. Um, Is there an Hermes with a sales associate in like Los Angeles? Yeah. United States? Yeah. They're everywhere. They're all over the United States too? Or is it like... Yeah. There's like New York and Los Angeles and that's it, you know? I can't count because it's like showing them a weird way, but probably like 20 to 30 in the U.S. Oh, wow. Okay. Find one in a state near you. Do they all get Birkins and Kellys though? Or is it? There's one in Las Vegas. There's a couple in L.A. it looks like, which makes sense. There's one in Dallas. There's one in Atlanta. One in Chicago. 
Um, one in Detroit. That's interesting. There's nine in New York. They are like around. And there's some other like rules that are kind of like, again, like people say it, but it may or may not be true. Like you're only allowed to purchase two per year and that you can't buy them like close together. But some people were saying like, oh, if you go to another country, sometimes they don't have records. So sometimes you could go to like Czech Republic and buy a different one. So how did Cardi B end up with so many? Well, good question. So (laughs) one way is... It's a question on everyone's mind. Well, so if you are like a VIP client, which I'd assume Cardi B was, you're obviously going to have better access to them. And the most rare thing of all that very, very few, few people have access to is a special order. So again, if you are just like a normal, and by normal still like millionaire person who's like walking into the Hermes store and you're lucky enough to get one of these to get offered one of these bags they're gonna show you something they have in stock in the back and it's probably not gonna be the exact one you want right they're just gonna show you one that is like close to what you want whatever if you are a more important client they might like kind of keep an eye out or for you like you might say like oh I'm really interested in like a blue Birkin so then they might call you and say like oh we have a blue Birkin in stock if you want to come see it but that seems to be more unusual if you are really really VIP you can get invited to make a special order so that means you get to like completely customize it like the leathers you want the hardware the size etc etc and those ones are stamped with a, a special horseshoe stamp Because they used to make stuff for horses. So you might be thinking, hey, I don't have hundreds of thousands of dollars to dump into this. And I don't even have a store near me. Yeah. (laughs) It's a little inconvenient. Like, I don't want to have all these, like, gaudy scarves in my house, etc., etc. Well, I do have some good news for you, which is that there is another way to get them if you go to Paris. So in the city of Paris, there are three Hermes stores, including the flagship store, and they have a special system that is I've only... I've seen a purse done in the style of that store. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're familiar. <laughs> so in Paris, they have a special system that only exists in Paris where you can get one of these bags without a purchase history. Now, does a purchase history help? Yes. Can you go into Paris without ever having spent any money? In theory, yes. So... How it works is you get an appointment at one of these stores and from what I found, there's like about 150 appointments a day between the three stores, so about 50 each and about six to 7,000 people apply per day depending on the time of year. Like obviously tourist seasons are going to be higher when you're near fashion week, that's going to be higher, etc. It seems like some of the stores you can like line up out front depending like it kind of changes, but at the main Paris flagship store, which has the most bags and the most variety, um, you have to make an online appointment the day before. And then it's like a lottery system. And this is a whole fascinating rabbit hole because people will travel to Paris specifically to try and get one of these appointments by lottery for the chance to buy one of these bags. Because A, The bags do cost less in Paris because you're saving on some like import fees and whatnot. They're still, Mm -hmm. you know, at least $10,000. And B, because you don't have to have the purchase history. So people will fly to Paris just 
to do this whole experience. And if you are interested in a little YouTube rabbit hole, look up like Mel in Melbourne. <laughs> yeah, her Bir- or Birkin uh, or Hermes like Paris appointment. This is a whole, you can see people will vlog. You can see people crying because they didn't get it. Like it's a whole thing. I watched this one vlog of a girl who is, I hated my whole trip to Paris because I didn't get a bag. Like it's like a whole, it's a whole thing. And it definitely- Do you have to be in Paris to make an appointment? No. Or can you make an appointment like online and then fly to Paris? Well, you could, but it's for the next day, so. Oh, you can only make them for the next day? Yeah. So you can only make them one day ahead. I think for the reason you're saying probably is they don't want people to like, you know, schedule out or whatever. Well, and it it all contributes to the mysteriousness and false scarcity and all of that too. And there's all this like culture and mystery around these appointments. But essentially how it works is if you get an appointment... They ha- give you like a time or whatever, at, like, you know, 4 p.m. And you get a sales associate to help you. And An they essay. will, a leather specialist, and they will ask you, what do you want today? And some people say, be really direct. I'm interested in a Kelly or a Birkin. Other people say, like, be really uh, beat around the bush and be like, oh, I'm interested in like some some scarves and then be like, oh, also, do you have any Birkins in stock? And people say to be specific. Other people say not to be very specific. So maybe it's bad if you say, oh, I want a red Kelly with palladium hardware, but maybe it's better if you're more specific so they know what you want like there's all this like contradictory advice well and it also probably just depends on which sales associate you get completely completely and that's what it comes down to right is it's like like any of us who've worked in like retail or like food service or whatever like you can completely you know sometimes you just get a bad vibe for someone and you're not gonna like help them out them a bag yeah And the word on the street is that sales associates don't get a commission from Kelly or Birkin bags. So they have no incentive really to sell you one other than like whatever, like uh, else they're able to sell you in the appointment, I guess. So some advice. Seems like there would be more of like more greasing of palms then though, you know? Yeah, I don't know. It's like all the videos I watched were very like, again, quote unquote, normal people, like not celebrities and not like important people necessarily, just like rich people who are yeah, really not like recognizable. This. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, wear a bunch of Hermes stuff. Don't wear too much Hermes stuff. It's like a job interview. Don't be desperate. Like, um, and they, you're not supposed to write anything down because people who have stuff written down, they think resellers will like hire college students to like do these appointments and like go in and scam a bag so they can flip them. So if you write anything down, they won't give you one. And so you do this whole like song and dance where you like kind of subtly or not ask for a Kelly or a Birkin. And they may or may not give you one. Well, not give you one. Give you the opportunity to buy one. (laughs) Yes, give you the opportunity to buy one. And, you know, sometimes they'll like just like flat out say like, oh, we don't have any, which like isn't true. But so it's like this whole interesting thing. And again, you maybe you flew to Paris. You've been trying to get an appointment for a week. You've ruined your whole trip, like whatever. And then 
they might offer you like a bag you don't want. So I can only imagine like the pressure to buy it, even if you like don't like it at that point, right? Because you've gone through all of this to even have them bring out one to you. Yeah, somebody brings me out one of those ugly Himalaya crocodile Birkins. I'm I'm saying a big fat no. (laughs) (laughs) So a really interesting, again, like if you if you want to just like be immersed in a subculture. Once they once they make the offer, can they rescind it? Like, could they be like, do you want this? And then if you get it and they're like, you don't appreciate it enough where you don't actually Um, you can't buy it. You know what I mean? Like, how petty can these people be? (laughs) I have heard of people rejecting them if they already have one. Like, they'll be like, oh, I already have a red one, you know? Yeah. (laughs) But well, Again, it's all very like shrouded in like mystery and like very like based on pretense and stuff. This is where some of the like sexism comes in, right? Because I do feel really bad for these women because they are genuinely invested in this. Do they have all the material means in the world? From what I can tell, yeah. But you do see kind of this like class pressure and all these kind of things where you're at the point where you feel like crushed by not being able to get this bag, you know? Wow. Because it's like a rejection. I think for a lot of people, it's like this rejection that you're like not good enough or you didn't present in the like correct way. or Especially because in order to be able to get to that point, you probably haven't faced as much rejection. So it probably feels a lot more yeah. painful. You know, because yeah. normally when you have that amount of money, you're not facing a lot of rejection. You can definitely say like, well, they're not dealing with real problems. So this is their biggest problem. Like, yeah, you could definitely say that. There's certainly something there that I think is really interesting about like, you know, what is it about being in this like exclusive club that makes people just go absolutely nuts that they will fly to Paris just for the opportunity to buy this bag and they are just utterly crushed when it doesn't work out like that's a really interesting like cultural phenomenon besides being very indicative of like just immense wealth disparity you know it's so interesting too because it's like just like at a certain point in a society with as much wealth disparity as we currently have once you have enough money you don't have to work or fight for anything anymore so Mm -hmm. it's almost like something to keep the rich entertained because it's like they aren't used to having to fight that hard for anything anymore and I think that's probably the appeal for these like really wealthy women right is like it is a status symbol and it's very exclusive like anyone can buy a really expensive necklace or a Porsche or whatever but very few people can be in this club and really accepted into this like opulent world where you are getting like the ultimate seal of a lot of people talk about how they're like very understated right like they're definitely that like if you know you know thing yeah it's not like a louis vuitton bag that has l's and v's all over it yeah exactly like when i think of designer stuff i think of like the gucci belt with like the huge logo or yeah like you're saying louis vuitton stuff that or like balenciaga that has just like the brand super prominent, right? 
The Hermes bags, the logo is like actually very, very small. So it is like an interesting, like it speaks very much to a culture of wealth and old money to me. Yeah. And it's more of a head nod than anything to be like, we're not only, not only can we afford this, but we're all part of the same secret society. Yeah. Where it's like even the people who would recognize it are probably at such a level. Yeah. And I did think it was interesting speaking to like the celebrities of it all. I, I was trying to think of like, Who is a celebrity that tries to appear very, like, normal? In bingo card, Taylor Swift mentioned. She is the best example I could think of of a celebrity who's very, very rich but tries to appear like Girl Next Door, right? She's the best example you could think of? Who's a better example of, like, a very, very successful celebrity who tries to appear like she capitalizes on, like, a very, like, Girl Next Door image? I think there are a lot of actresses like that. I feel like in the world of music, there are fewer people like that. Okay, regardless, I thought she was a good example. So the Kardashians very much into like flexing their wealth and all that, right? Even like Cardi Mm -hmm. B and rappers in general, like again, the same way that like male rappers will rap about like Rolexes and cars. Is it didn't Cardi B have the song about like uh Louboutins as well? It's the same thing, right? It's all yeah. about excess and luxury, whatever. Different conversation. But then you have someone like Taylor Swift and I was really interested in if she had ever been pictured with a Birkin or a Kelly and she hasn't as far as I could tell. I looked everywhere and she has never been pictured with one of these bags. And of course, I'm sure she has one. I'm sure she could special order anyone she wanted in the whole world and they'd be happy to get it for her. But she knows that to the people who view it, that would be it's something. It's sending a message. It makes yeah. it, it's inaccessible, right? Like she's kind of famous for wearing like uh, anthropology clothes, which are expensive, but they're accessible, right? They're to like a girl in, I don't know, Nevada. A Birkin bag will never be accessible to 99% of people in the world. A dress from anthropology is expensive, but you could save up and buy it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just a really interesting, like, wealth signifier. So the very last way you can get a Birkin is perhaps the simplest, but also the most expensive, which is to buy one secondhand or on the resale market. And again, we saw for auctions, these can go for $100,000, $150,000 more than they are retail. And they're very expensive, not only due to rarity, again, like the specific colors and models can be very difficult to find, But A, you get to skip the line so you don't have to go through all this like song and dance of like developing a relationship and maybe you'll get offered one. And two, you can get exactly what you want, right? If Mm -hmm. I want something really specific and I'm really rich, it's probably worth it to just buy that for extra money and get exactly what I want versus go through this whole process. But you are missing like... Obviously, if you're buying it secondhand, you're not getting, like, the honor of being offered one, right? Yeah. So, did you find any on eBay? There's tons out there. So, if you look in your document, I put some examples of ones that are available for purchase right now um, from Sotheby's, the auction Mm -hmm. house. You got it. As well as Madison Avenue Couture which I had not heard of, but they're like a pretty big Hermes reseller. And you can see they're everywhere from like $10,000 to like, 
you know, $200,000, depending on, like, the rarity. The picnic one that has straw in, like, homage to Jane Birkin's straw basket is very collectible. Of course, the exotic skins, etc., etc. So, a majority... Am I safe in assuming Mm -hmm. that a majority of these bags really don't get used in the day-to-day world? It's more of a collector item. So to me, it seems like it varies. So for example, um, I do have another picture for you down below that ties in. So the largest known collection of Birkins in the world is the Singaporean socialite named Jamie Chua. She has um, over 200 Hermes bags. They didn't say how many like break down into each, but she has many, many Birkins, many, many Kellys, including like a Himalayan and many of these expensive ones. She has like a video on YouTube that's a tour of her closet. If you're interested, that's like really crazy. It has like a fingerprint lock and, you know, I just can only imagine how much it's worth. Some famous celebrity collectors, again, the Kardashians, you do see them with them, but they do seem like collectors. And then Jeffree Star actually is famous for having a lot of Birkins. And since being kind of like canceled and fallen (laughs) from grace, he said that he sold a lot of them. But like, honestly, with how like sketchy he is in general, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of them were fake to begin with, since his whole thing is like so smoke and mirrors and like, I don't know, with all the like racist and like terrible stuff he said, I feel like having like fake birkins would not be yeah that's on brand for him him. yeah but one celebrity that is or celebrities that are known for like really beating their hermes bags into the ground are the olsen twins which we mentioned before so if you look Mm -hmm. up pictures of them they do have these like beat ass birkins where they are like used and abused you see them hauling them around jane birkin also actually like puts stickers on hers and has like shit hanging off them and they're all like creased and like they clearly like use and abuse them for real but yeah a lot of people treat them definitely as like collector's items and just have them in their closet that's really interesting yeah so that's kind of my main information about all of that i just think it's super interesting like a again as just a like uh like wealth disparity and b also as a cultural phenomenon how and yeah (laughs) yeah that's that's what i mean like it's really interesting but i'm also having a hard time not just being like a very sad right now yeah not because like i wish i had one because it yes because it's so so indicative of something much larger (laughs) um i don't know it's like repulsive to me but also fascinating there's something to me also particularly like upsetting about the people who just have a closet full of them because again like if someone i knew personally had one of these it would definitely like raise a lot of concerns for me right yeah but just an abstract person who like you know saves up maybe they're like really successful at their job they save up and they get a bag and they use it all the time and they love it okay right like I I mean I still don't really get it and there's still some issues there for me but maybe you love it and it works for you blah 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 all of that okay but having all of these bags just in a closet just to show people how wealthy and how excessive you are is gross yeah 
Yeah, I completely agree. And I'm glad that you're keeping me grounded in this conversation because you're absolutely right, again, um, as per usual, (laughs) that, like, I'm not – when I say I'm disgusted, like, I'm not disgusted by, like, one person who this is their goal and they've worked for it and it's something they're passionate about and care about and, you know, I – I totally support that. If that's their thing that since you've been 18, you've had this dream and you've it has helped keep you going and inspire you to be a amazing business person and that you get there and you get the bag, I'm happy for you. But from a larger lens, if yeah. we're just zooming this out at the 10,000 foot level or whatever the saying is, like that is the whole, all of it, the appeal, the mysteriousness, how they've built this cult-like following from the beginning is scary and upsetting all built on exclusion too which is part of why it's so interesting right and like you touched on this but like if you're someone who can afford one of these things and i'm assuming like i'm sure there are people who put this on a credit card and it's like an issue but like you know (laughs) let's say you're like like this woman who's like a real estate agent like let's say you're a real estate agent your husband's a doctor like you're doing great you have plenty of money this is something you do for fun whatever (laughs) And you you are accepted into any room you walk into implicitly, right? When you're that wealthy and powerful. But here is a room you walk into where you're not implicitly accepted. And I think that's yeah. part of why it's so frustrating for particularly like, and again, I don't want to like put any particular woman on blast because there is nuance here. But I saw but a Taylor lot, Swift. <laughs> I saw a lot of wealthy white women crying because they weren't able to get a bag i'm not saying these are like bad people necessarily they might be they probably are (laughs) they probably are but (laughs) for other reasons but like like you you spoke to this but there's something about being someone who walks through the world with a lot of power with a lot of just like you know materially socially all of these things and suddenly you're being like uh, denied something that's like a status symbol. And that that has to like eat at your psyche. Oh, yeah. If you are kind of one of these that's people. That's like what turned Cruella DeVille into Cruella DeVille, you know? Why are they not <laughs> making Dalmatian Birkins? They probably have them if you're rich enough and buy <laughs> that's enough the scarves. special order. <laughs> yeah. The camo one that Cardi B has is actually made out of Dalmatian, but they dye it so it doesn't even matter. <laughs> Yeah, and that's, like, there's not a lot of information about, like, the celebrity side of it that I could find. I was more interested in the quote-unquote normal people anyway, since they make them jump through all these hoops. But I do wonder, like, how obscure this is for someone like Kim Kardashian, right, who I'm sure has way more access. But I do Mm -hmm. wonder, like... Is she buying these, like, from retailers or is she actually being offered all of these? Are they custom making it for her? Like, how big of a star do you have to be to get, like, that access, I suppose? Yeah, that's a good question. I, so, I'm curious now about, like, when they leaned into this, uh, like, illusion of scarcity and everything. Like, in 1950, when it, there was still just the Kelly, there was no Birkin yet. Obviously, Grace Kelly is the reason it has its name. So it mm-hmm. was for the upper echelon at that point. But was it still at, like, the same degree of exclusivity? You know what I mean? 
or has it become more intense over the years? I'd imagine originally it was like actual scarcity because they were like a smaller company. But nowadays, like they could definitely make more. But I think it does seem like it they have gone up in value and this craze has happened a lot in the like 2000s and like the last 20 years. And no one like said this, but I have to think that is partly due to these influencers, right? Who are hyping it mm-hmm. up and like just the internet in general that we can see celebrities carrying them and there's fashion blogs and there's people. I mean, I saw like 10 different just like YouTubers whose whole channels were about them like collecting Hermes and like talking about how to get a bag, their favorite bags, how they store their bags, what bags they want. Like, you know, it's like a whole culture and it like feeds into all of this hype around it, right? Like, yeah, I just I also I'm curious. I'm curious about a lot of different facets of it, but like. Since it's so founded on exclusivity, I can't help but think that especially in the early days of this, there was definitely periods where it was like, we only will sell to women or we only will sell to mm-hmm. white women or, you know, like there there was definitely, that definitely happened. There's no doubt in my mind that that happened because that's just the reality of, you know, Well, the world. and again, I but, didn't find anyone asking about or talking about this but i'm like there has to be like race issues here right like yeah that's kind of that's what i'm trying to get to um in a and and i I will say not all the influencers are white there are other women that i saw that were like in this space but you do have to think especially in france like honestly like france is like not known for being a very like accepting country in a lot of ways no i have to imagine walking into that store as like a woman of color is just got to be so different than walking in as a white woman and i yeah and i just really unless you're unless you're recognizable in a way that they know better than to you know what i mean like unless you're cardi b Yes, um, for sure. But I'm also curious. I I wonder how much gender plays into it as well for the from the sales associate perspective. Like, mm-hmm. I wonder not only if there's necessarily a race thing, but if there's also like a homophobia thing, right? Like, or a transphobia thing, or something like that. You know, I didn't see like a lot of men in this conversation. Now I'm sure there are men who are into it, and they do like make like men's versions of the bags. I do wonder. Yeah, I think there's just a lot of factors here that I like. I, I was I'm like this I should make this a dissertation like <laughs> this is the beginning of Charlie and I's Hermes journey so um the next time we put out an episode we won't be putting out an episode until one of us gets either a Kelly or a Bird. we're gonna start a <laughs> Patreon and <laughs> if we get enough patrons we will both fly to Paris and attempt to get Birkin bags mm-hmm Um, And then I will, so listen to this if you are a sales associate in Paris, I will turn around, sell it, and buy myself a house. So that's all. (laughs) Okay. Do you have any other questions before I I have? I mean, I have a lot of questions, but not really any I can um, condense down A into a sentence or B into a appropriate time segment for what we have (laughs) left in this episode. Um, But this was a really interesting left field topic. 
that I'm glad you picked because you're to- there's so many subcultures like this of just like things that people dedicate their whole lives to that I had no idea and would have had no idea existed probably for the in- rest of my entire life. And this is what I love about the internet, <laughs> honestly, mm-hmm. is you Stick can kind it. of glimpse into these little communities that you know not it's kind of the same feeling of like when you look you you get suggested a youtube video and you're like who is this guy i've never heard of him before in my life never seen and then you end up watching in my life (laughs) and he has 10 million followers and you're like i have never heard of this man in my life me about every person you talk about (laughs) those are politicians (laughs) not youtubers They have lots of followers as well, though. <laughs> He's the president, Tara. You should have heard of him. <laughs> she keeps asking me, my this, this Joe Brandon guy? guy. <laughs> okay, yeah. so let's end with everybody's favorite segment. Wrong answers. Only. Wrong answers only. Bwang. My wrong was good. The rest, I lost it for the rest of it, though. (laughs) This is, as always, a really timely game that is themed around midterms, which are long gone by now, but Mm -hmm. the American uh, political system is always affecting our lives negatively. So we're switching over, you know, we were talking uh, bourgeois decadence, and now we are talking about the everyday man, the proletariat. Mm-hmm. I want to know, in your opinion, who did these fictional characters vote for in the 2020 election, assuming they Whoa. were alive? Okay. Wait, wait. Before we get started, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Are they, in 2020, voting in this election, are they the fictional age that they are in whatever they're from? You know what I mean? Or have they aged since then, depending Mm. on how long ago it was made? I think it's going to depend on the character. For example, I do have some people on here that are ageless, immortal beings, and then some that are also children. So Okay. All right. So it might be a case-by-case basis. So our first fictional character is Nancy Drew. Okay. And I'm going to assume in this situation, she's like in her 30s, maybe, because that's like how old she is now in my head, you know? Sure, yeah. And I think she definitely voted for Biden because I think she's definitely like a liberal who stopped reading the news like 10 years ago. You know what I mean? She's got MSNBC on in the background, but she's more interested in like Sudoku and crosswords in true crime podcasts than keeping up with politics. So I think she voted enthusiastically for Biden. I think that Nancy Drew totally forgot to vote. She's so busy. She's chasing a lead. She's doing things. She totally forgot to even vote. And we (laughs) hate her for that. But that's truly how I feel about Nancy Drew. Okay. Look, she's doing important things. I'm not saying she's not doing important things. She's a girl boss, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think that if she'd remembered to vote and she had taken the time, she would have voted for Biden. If she was in the country, yeah. Yeah, but she was actually like in a pyramid underground in Egypt, so. That's a great point. Yeah. Okay, next up is Charlie Brown, and we're going to assume he was of age to vote at this time, not a voter fraud situation. That's a really good question because I feel like in a lot of ways – Charlie Brown could could easily have grown up to hold a lot of bitter resentment towards the world. Mm-hmm. Because I want to believe the best in Charlie Brown, but also 
if he held on to that hate in his heart, I don't know. He's a white guy, you know? I just don't mm-hmm. have a lot of faith in them. And he's bald at such a young age. <laughs> yeah. Also a good point. I don't know. I feel like I could see him voting for Trump, but maybe I'm just biased against white guys. I, I don't know. I I think that he voted for Trump, but he did it really quietly. Mm-hmm. So he's not a guy mm-hmm. with like a let's go Brandon he's flag in his front yard. Facebook. No, no, no. But he quietly voted for yeah, Trump. Yeah, he just was like, I just don't like what the Democrats are doing with the vaccines. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I just want to make my own choices. I see Charlie Brown as a libertarian. Yes, I'm not going to tell anyone else how to vote, but I'm voting for Trump. I think Charlie's spending some time on Reddit and some of the wrong Mm -hmm. places. I think he's not as viciously racist as one could be in his situation, but I think he's in the pipeline. Yeah, and you know, I hate to blame anyone for somebody else's shortcomings, but I feel like he probably holds a lot of hatred for women in his heart Mm -hmm. for the way that he was treated by the women around him as a child. He was bullied. He was And so holding on to that resentment can create really, really ugly people inside. That's a great point. Thank you. Okay, next up. The huge man from Umbrella Academy. I do not know his name. Luther. Yeah. Um, I've never watched the show either. I have been binging it. I'd never watched it until like two days ago. And I'm almost, I was in the middle of the last episode when Charlie called me and made me record this podcast instead. With only 24 hours warning. So here's the thing about Luther. Luther is not great at making his own decisions. So I think that Luther left to his own devices would have voted for Trump because he's just he is an a lovable oaf. He's just an, an a big white dummy. And so I think I could <laughs> see that for him. He also grew up in a really like elite this family. This is Trump's demo right here. Here's the big butt with Luther. He is in love with slash siblings with a black woman who is very outspoken. Mm. And when they time traveled to the 1960s, she was very involved in the civil rights movement. Mm. And I think that Allison could would have effectively convinced Luther to vote for Joe Biden. So if in, in this timeline, Allison and Luther are in the same place in the year of the election, I think that she could have successfully convinced him. Or maybe his compassion for her just like from a whole childhood of being bonded with a young black person who had to navigate a cruel world and having to see that and hear about it might have given him some perspective. But I think there are definitely timelines in which he voted for Trump due to various reasons, probably all still related to Allison, though, is my guess with him, because he really can't see things from a big picture perspective. He's very like focused on one thing at a time i have no follow-up commentary to add i don't know anything about the show except that you told me there was a huge man yeah mm-hmm. okay that's it. next up this one's a little bit of a combo i kind of put a couple of characters together i was thinking about twilight as i do mm-hmm. and the actually my initial thought behind this question was i was really thinking about who bella would have voted for in 2020 because she is such an interesting she would have voted for whoever edward told her to vote yeah exactly i think that's a good answer so i was thinking about which of the colons are like the most interesting to me in this way and i was like bella bella in a vacuum yeah 
Carlisle and Rosalie. Who did they vote for? Because, okay, let's Carlisle's a rich Jasper, doctor. Jasper's voting for Trump, and he's, like, literally flying the Jasper Confederate was flag. At January 6th. He Alice was there. <laughs> does not know what year it is. She's like, yeah. I saw you on Nancy Pelosi's desk. What's going on? Mm-hmm. I think Edward and um, Esme, definitely liberals, definitely big Brandon heads. Why do you think? Why do you think that it's just Edward, a vibe? It's a vibe. I don't know they because you have to Biden. also think love in the perspective that all of these people have lived for a very long time and probably have some deep. Yeah, that's why they're all like a hundred old people love Biden. Old people love Trump. Are you kidding me right now? No, smart old people love Biden. Yeah, I agree. But realistically, a lot of old people love Trump. Plus, Edward can read minds, and he would read Biden's mind and see there's nothing going on in there. So, <laughs> And he likes that about Bella, so I think he would like that about Biden as well. Okay. I feel like you're trying desperately to defend Edward, and I feel like you're giving him too much credit. I, he's just not a Republican to me. I also can hear it that I am so clearly so biased. Every single white, cishet white guy you've brought up, I've been like, he voted for Trump. Okay, I acknowledge there are cishet white guys who voted for Biden, and we're grateful for that. Carlisle. Them. Let's talk Carlisle. He's rich. He's, he's a rich white, doctor. He's handsome. He okay, plays we get the it. stock you wanna market. Fuck Carlisle. Don't we all? <laughs> I but he is like a a lover kind of person and being a doctor he's he might compassionate have, he's compassionate but with covid and everything mm. being a doctor he might have the perspective of like Trump doesn't believe in the vaccine he's spreading like scientific misinformation and so mm-hmm. he does have that perspective so maybe he voted for Biden it's I, he could also be a quiet a quiet Trump voter, though. Carlisle, I think, is DSA. I think he is socialism-pilled. He has seen the healthcare system up close. He knows how fucked up it is. This guy's compassionate. I think that he voted for Biden reluctantly, as we all did. Yeah. Okay. I'll give, I'll give it to you and Carlisle, then, um, on that one. I trust your judgment on all Twilight characters more than me because you know them much more intimately. I think Bella voted for Biden, but only because Edward filled in her ballot for her. I don't think she Mm -hmm. even knows where her local polling place is. I don't Mm -hmm. think she knows a thing. Last, Rosalie. What are we what are we thinking? Rosalie is like the blonde one. So I don't know enough about Rosalie. She her thing is like she's like angry, right? Mm Mm-hmm. She's an angry white lady. I don't know. I have, I'm clearly so biased against men because I'm giving her so much more of the benefit of the doubt than I did any of the men you've but suggested. But I think, so my thought, I think she could go either way. She's a little mysterious, but I think that she is one of those white women who voted for Trump that you were like, you couldn't have possibly voted for him. And she was like, you know, I didn't like Hillary and I don't like Joe, you know? Did Emmett vote for Trump? Emmett has no idea what voting is. Okay. He couldn't even hold a pencil in his hand without crushing it. I think it's also important to remember that they all live in Washington. So they're surrounded Mm -hmm. by blue. So they might be more blue leaning than we think. You know what I didn't think about as well is Washington actually has really great access to mail-in voting. So they actually Mm -hmm. all have 
a lot of opportunity to vote that they might not have in other states like Georgia who practice voter restriction. Yeah, which is probably where Nancy Drew is, if I had to guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think that a lot of them didn't vote, but most of the ones who did voted for Biden. That's my belief about the Colin family in the 2020 election. I Yeah, I would believe like all of them, except I think Emmett didn't vote jasper and rosalie voted for trump i could see edward doing some bullshit like write in bernie thing because he's like mm, mad yeah, at the edward system. definitely wrote in bernie that's a you good know thing. what i mean <laughs> just yeah. saying he still filled out bella's ballot to say biden because yeah. he was like just in case and we'll he was throw like we're a blue state you know yeah but an act of in an act of rebellion he wrote in somebody our last character to close out this very nuanced discussion we've had today is Madeline from the Madeline books. And we are assuming... She's French, so she should not be able to vote in our okay, elections. Okay, you think that Democrats don't take voter fraud from French elitists all the time? What is she a kid or is she an adult in this scenario? Like, she's has 18. She, she's 18. She just got her first Birkin bag. She walked into the store and they just handed it right to <laughs> Straight her. Straight from the orphanage to the Birkin store. <laughs> Rags to riches. <laughs> um... Well, I mean, she was raised in an orphanage, and for that reason, Mm -hmm. she probably understands the need for more support, but it was a privately owned religious orphanage, Mm. right? Because she was raised by nuns, I think. Hey, counterpoint, Joe Biden is controlled by the Catholic Church. Yeah, we got to figure out what denomination Madeline's orphanage was. Mm. Because they were nuns, right? Am I making that up? I haven't read it in a while. Hmm. Um, she wears Someone a at the farmer's market hat. told me I looked like Madeline once. In recent years? No, it's like five years ago. It's so bizarre. It's when get... my hair was shorter. It's so bizarre to compare you to Madeline over Matilda. <laughs> Don't dox me. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I I'm curious about that because if we did talk a little bit of shit on the French today, uh, with the we, whole discussion we, of how there's some deep seated discrimination in France, and so if that's playing a role and the religious thing is playing a role, I kind of could see her voting for Trump. But I'd like to believe she held on to some of those values that were instilled in her because a lot of the stories that we read of her when she was a young child did involve her sharing with others. Um, sharing that sounds like communism. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, you know what? I might need to brush up on my Madeline. Before I have I the can Madeline Wikipedia article. She's the smallest of the girls. Okay, flex. We get it. So you think I'm skinny? Okay, Madeline. <laughs> She's also a troublemaker. She gave Miss okay. Clavel a headache. Relatable. <laughs> Relatable, but I'm Miss Clavel. Oh my god! I remember when her appendix ruptured. I remember that. Famously, yeah, I that was a big deal. That. You were there. She set a trend. Everyone was like, I want my appendix out too. Yep, famously. Everyone's obsessed with her, just like everyone's obsessed with me. These books are so cute. I forgot about them. I kind of want like a framed. <laughs> Didn't she have like a monkey at one point too? Or I don't know. I just... This Wikipedia article is rather lacking, I have to be honest with you. She wears a yellow hat and so does the guy in Curious George, so maybe I'm just confusing mm, them. They do have cute little yellow you know, that looks so good with, like, a yellow Birkin. Whoa, okay. Yeah, so I, I could see her it just voting for Catholic, Trump, unfortunately. Yeah. So it is Catholic. These Americans. So it is Catholic? Yeah. Okay. Hmm. 
I'm not very good at a French accent. I do my best. That was really good, actually. I thought for a second that I was in France and we're only FaceTiming. So. Did, 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 did. That's not Fran- France, France, though. French, France. France, French. Yeah. So I'm going to say controversial take. I think Madeline voted for Trump in the scenario where she has dual citizenship. And is These 18. Americans, I vote in their election. I smoke a cigarette. Le poisson, le poisson. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. You sweet and succulent crab. I fill out my ballot with the cigarette. No, we're actually both not actresses. Thank you for asking. Yeah, well, I'm a voice actor. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I think... Those were all really good questions. That was a fun thought exercise. And I might tomorrow morning wake up and be like, you know what? I didn't. I thought of this idea many, many months ago. And I've really been musing about it. Not with these particular characters, but just as like stuff comes up. You know what I mean? When I'm like watching Mm -hmm. a show whatnot so Mm -hmm. yeah i think it i think it's something to think about are you supporting fictional characters who voted for trump and i think that um it's also this is a great segment charlie well done thank you and if you as a listener are wondering hmm i wonder if you know jughead from the archie comics voted for Mm -hmm. biden or trump he definitely doesn't believe in electoral politics no yeah he didn't vote he's he doesn't even have an id he's dead in a ditch in france (laughs) (laughs) it all comes back to france the bags (laughs) madeline jughead madeline killed him she sold him bad fentanyl and he's dead in a ditch But that the sale of that fentanyl is what enabled How her to finally actually, be able to purchase her Birkin. Hashtag girl boss, you know. Mm-hmm. She was an orphan. Now she's a small business owner. And now she has yep. a Birkin. Yellow. Gold Yellow. So if you're wondering, if you think of a character and you're wondering, you're musing on it, go ahead and send it in to neverbeenwrongpodcast at gmail.com so that Charlie and I can have an educated discussion about whether or not that person voted for Trump or oh Biden in Oh my god, I would love for this to be a recurring segment. That's actually. what I'm saying. Yes. I think this is a great recurring segment, but we need some user submissions because yes. um, I watch a lot more TV than Charlie does, and so we're going to run out of references she understands There's a, a lot here, of Twilight characters. I can't participate in those, though. The challenge here is that uh, Charlie and I are on different parts of the (laughs) internet and uh, consume very different content for the most part. (laughs) So write in. Let us know. Is there any closing words you'd like to say for your episode, Charlie? Au revoir. (laughs) Au revoir.